you have your Bibles, if you would, I want you to turn with me. We're going to look at uh, just a couple scriptures before you're seated. So thankful for everybody who works so hard to keep the building clean, to keep the outside mode. They work hard at music and preparation so that things can go on and we can have service here. And I'm so thankful for each and every one. And I celebrate all of you who make it possible. Amen. Man, this church uh, isn't just here. We're trying to serve our community. We're trying to be a blessing. And uh, it takes a lot of people to make that happen. So thank you so much uh, for all that you do to make that happen. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 2. And we'll read verses 11 through 13. And I won't keep you standing real long. uh, Just for a minute more. But I do want to welcome everyone who's watching us online, and I realize that a lot of times people check us out uh, on live stream or on Facebook Live just to see what they're getting into before they actually show up to service. So if you're watching us online today, thank you, and we look forward to seeing you very soon, and uh, we're excited. We're continuing and actually closing out our misdirection series today. So uh, hopefully you will be blessed and uh, we expect God to do some great things. Amen. Galatians chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. That sounds like a great scripture. Man, I'm inspired already. Today we're going to be talking about some of the misdirection that Peter had. Uh, We have already talked about Adam, we've talked about Moses, we've talked about David. I'm going to recap that just a little bit, but today we're going to talk about Peter's misdirection and what we can learn from it. So before we move any further, let's just pray and ask God to move in a special way today. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what You've already done in this house. And thank You, God, for what You are getting ready to do. I pray that You'd speak to each and every one of us, God, and that we would hear clearly, not my voice, but we would hear Your words clearly in our spirit today. And God, that we would leave this place different than what we came. And God, we thank You for what You're about to do. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So far in the series, we've been talking about misdirection and sometimes uh, it gets a little clouded and you're you're wondering what does that mean? What what are we talking about? What exactly is misdirection? Uh, So what we have been talking about is the mistakes that some of these characters in the Bible that they made that we can learn from. And we talked about Adam, and Adam avoided taking responsibility. That was week one. Brother Cooper talked to us about Adam uh, not taking responsibility. He blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, and we know how the blame game has carried on for years and years and years. And so now, uh, we want to learn from that mistake. We want to learn from His bad direction. And we look then to Jesus. And Jesus realized He didn't blame anybody. He took our blame. 
Amen. Instead of putting the blame on somebody else or making it somebody else's problem, he said, no, I want it to be my problem. I'm going to take the sin of the world and it's going to be upon me. And so Adam gave us a bad direction and he showed us the wrong way to do things by avoiding responsibility and blaming. And so we're going to stop avoiding responsibility. We're going to stop blaming. And we're going to start being more like Jesus. Say, I'm going to take it. It's going to be me. I'm going to, whatever I need to do to make things right, I'm going to step into that. And then the second week, Brother, uh, Brother Abbott talked to us about Moses. And Moses ran out of patience. And uh, in the end, he lost his great reward. He never got to enter into the promised land because he was told to speak to the rock. And instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock and he disobeyed what God had told him to. And I, I would just uh, go back to that and say, man, we've got to learn that Moses is a good example to all of us. After all he did for God, after all he did for the people of God, to lose out with God at the end of his life, what a tragedy. Uh, well, what a, what a, a tragedy that he didn't get to see the promises that God had because of his choice to not obey what God had said. <clears throat> it's tragic for us too whenever God does some incredible things in our life, but then we miss out, right? We miss out with Him whenever we don't follow His direction. We do things the way we think they should be done. Well... But Jesus, He endured to the end and He didn't do things the way His flesh wanted to do them. Because if, his, if, if it was left to just our flesh, our flesh would wiggle out of the cross every time. Amen. But He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And, and the Scripture says that He was crucified and took the, the blame for us. He took the pain for us. And because of His, uh, his endurance and His dis, uh, decision to do the right thing and to listen and be obedient, amen, for God's will to be done, we have a chance of eternal life. We have the hope now that we don't have to be stuck with our sin forever, but because we can obey His, His directions, His instructions in His Word, we can have eternal life too. Yes. Yes. Amen. And so then last week, uh, we had Brother Antiveros. He spoke to, to us about David, and David had a, a really bad misdirection uh, we know, we understand he messed up pretty bad with Bathsheba and then he took the wife, uh, took the, the husband's life, uh, Uriah, he took his life uh, and, and tried to get him to do some things he shouldn't do and, and it didn't work out. He, he, he had, you know, somebody said one time that said that, uh, that Uriah had more morals when he was drunk than David had when he was sober. That's kind of an interesting way to look at it. And the problem was David had an issue. He had a weakness. He had a problem. And, and this problem turned into a bigger problem because uh, it kind of got passed into his children. And his children then were, were not moral uh, or good people. And so uh, we found out about how he had uh, his house out of order. And, and one son has taken the life of another son. And he did that because the first son had raped the daughter and, and his sister. And just, just all kinds of mess. And you, you say, man, that's really in the Bible? Yeah, that's in the Bible. 
And the problem was David didn't discipline his children. David didn't uh, bring his house in order. And, and the Scripture tells us that God disciplines those He loves to restore them and bring them back. And we learn from the misdirection of David. We don't want to be like that. We don't want our children to be like that. And we don't want to be like that. We want God to discipline us. When we're not right, we want God to tell us, you're not right. Amen? I, I want somebody to tell me. I want God to speak to somebody. I want the Word to speak to me and say you're not right and you need to get right. Amen. It doesn't matter how many verbal spankings i got to take. I want to hear it because I want to be right with God. Amen. And so, so for the first three weeks, we've talked about these different mistakes that were made and, and how they took people in the wrong direction and, and how Jesus was the opposite of those things. And today, we want to talk about how we must value God's opinion more than we value the opinion of other people. In John chapter 18, you can read in verses 15 through 27, you can read about how Peter handled Jesus' trial. We know that uh, Peter was at, he was at the trial and you know at least he was there a lot of the disciples weren't even there but he's at the trial and he caves to the pressure as Jesus kind of told him he was going to do he said Peter before uh, the rooster crows you're going to deny me three times Peter couldn't believe it he said no no I will die for you Lord it's easy to say that when you're with Jesus and you're in the moment it's completely different thing whenever you feel alone and you feel like the target's on your back. And so Peter, in the midst of this, uh, he made the, 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 the wrong decision, but he made the decision to deny Christ and to turn his back on Him. And he came to the pressure of the people that uh, Jesus said He would. And, and so Peter is more concerned here with the opinions of those around him. Maybe he thought, well, they're going to get me too. They're, they're going to put me in with him. And, and they're, they're judging him pretty harshly. If I go in there, I, I might die. This, this might not work out well for me. And so three times he said, yeah, I don't know the guy. I, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not one of his disciples. Man, and that's such a tragedy. And we, we find that this wasn't the only time that Peter had some issues with what other people thought. In Galatians chapter 2, we read about how uh, when he comes and Paul's talking here and he's writing to the church in, in Galatia and he, he, he's explaining what happened. He said, yeah, when Peter and I met, uh, th this is what happened. He said, the Jews, they were, they were saying you know, that, that, that the Gentiles needed to do this and they needed to do that in order to be saved. And that's not really what Jesus said, so that's not really acceptable. He said, and I tried, he said, I, I, I don't understand why Peter did what he did, but, but he sided with the Jews instead of saying salvation was for everybody. He sided and kind of was partial because he didn't want to get on the wrong side of the Jews. He was too concerned with the opinions of other people. And so, uh, this is why. Paul said, but I, I withstood him to the face. I, I talked to him. I said, look, something's wrong here. Something's not right. Why? Because Peter had chosen the opinions of people rather than the opinions of God. We can't fear God and other people. You'll fear one or the other, but you can't fear both. So today I want to tell you, you should fear God and not man. You should make God's opinion your highest priority. 
because Peter was influenced by his fear of what would happen or what people would think about him. And in both of these situations, we see Peter is more concerned with his immediate discomfort than he is in what would come in, in the later years. And so uh, this opinion of God didn't seem to matter as much in the moment to Peter. Right. And that's what we're learning from Peter today, that, that he's got this problem, this mistake, this misdirection, that he, he's a good guy and man, he tries to accomplish some bold things for God, but, but in the moment sometimes he's more concerned with what people think than with what God thinks. The good news is God forgave him. God used him. I mean, you talk about some of the mightiest things that were written and recorded in the New Testament. They're talked about by they're, 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 they're describing Peter and what he did and how he preached and how he led. And I, I want to just tell you, it doesn't many, matter how many times that you have messed up, God will forgive you. It doesn't matter how many times somebody else's opinion has been more important than God's opinion. If you'll come and say, God, I've been wrong. God, I've been doing things the wrong way. God will forgive you. If you've taken God too lightly and people too seriously. Amen. God will forgive you. He loves you. Amen. And He wants to give you another chance. But I would also point you to the book of Acts chapter 5 because we read this this scripture and this is probably a little bit later after this these uh, interactions had come between Paul and Peter and uh, this is something that we find in, in Acts chapter 5 we see uh, these these men here, and the, they're they're bringing Peter into uh, into some uh, in, in, Peter and uh, his companion that are in verse twenty seven says when they had brought them in they set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying did not we straightly command that ye should not teach in this name. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They said, look, Peter, don't you remember we told you not to do this anymore? We told you that this was not acceptable. You're making us look bad, Peter. He was already in trouble. He was all. They had already pulled him aside and said, "Hey, you're you're gonna you're gonna cause trouble. We're gonna we're gonna hurt you if you keep causing trouble." And so we find that they're in front of this council, and Peter and the other apostles answered, and they said in verse twenty nine, "We ought to obey God rather than men." And they go into this whole thing. Here, here's what Peter had to learn. He had to learn it the hard way, but here's what Peter had to learn. God's opinion is much more important than man's opinion. Fearing God is much more important than fearing man. You, you've got to be under, you've got to understand where I'm going with this today. Uh, we cannot fear God and fear man at the same time. You can only be afraid of one. So if you can only be afraid of one, fear God. If you fear God, you don't have to be afraid of anybody else. Amen. If you respect God and you'll put God on the pedestal, you won't have to worship anybody else. I came across this. I'm not a huge fan, but I know some people that are. And if you don't know who the guy is, you know, it's, it's fine. But I, I came across this uh, statement that Lecrae made on his Twitter. He said, if you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. If you live for people's 
acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. Think about it. The, the, the Scripture bears this out and, and, it, and it tells us that anything that we put above God becomes our idol. Anything that gets placed above God, it, it might be your, uh, your, your work, it might be your hobby, it might be your grandchild. Anything that gets placed above God in our life becomes our idol. It could be shopping, it could be sports, it could be our, our favorite car, it could be our house, it, it could be just about anything, but anything that we put above God. So here's the thing, many times we do this and we don't even realize it. But when we put God in His proper place and we say, okay, alright, I'm not going to worry about what everybody else thinks, I'm not going to worry about what the people at the office think, I'm not going to worry about what the rest of the family says... I'm going to follow what this book says because that's really, in the end, that's what's going to matter. It's not going to matter what Grandma says. not going to matter what Aunt Susie says. It's only going to matter what does this book say and what's God's opinion of me. So I ask you today, what would you say? What is God's opinion of you? If you were to stand before Him right now and you were asked this question, were you more afraid of them than me? How would you answer? For most of us, it's a very sobering thought because here's the truth. One day we will stand before Him. And we will have to answer. The Scripture says we will give an account based on this book. And if you say, well, I don't know what He wants in my life. Have you read His book? His book gives us pretty good details. Amen? You say, well, I'm not really sure what to do next. Well, if you don't know what to do next, read the Word and find out. Ask Him. Say, God, what would You have me do next? Because here's the truth. Some of us, we care more about what other people think than about what God thinks. And we're, we're afraid of man. We're afraid of losing popularity. We're afraid of losing promotions and, and losing uh, uh, you know, friendships and relationships with people. Can you just you know you know this to be true? Think about how exhausting it is to try to keep uh, everybody happy with you. It's it's like it's really impossible. But when you fear God and you only fear God, you don't have to worry about what people think. You don't have to stress what people think. You know, for, for a long part of my adult life, I really, it just, it ate me up whenever I thought somebody was upset with me or thought somebody didn't like me or something was wrong. And I used to just, man, I would almost lose sleep over it because I just I wanted people to be happy with me. If you weren't happy with me, I would try to get on the phone with you or I'd try to meet up with you. Hey, what's going on? Can we work this out? Let's, let's figure out what the problem is. You know, I, I realized that it was hindering my ability to lead. It was hindering my ability to pastor because it came to the place where I was almost more concerned with what people thought than with what God thought. I was worried about what people would think of me and not, God, are you pleased with the way that I'm pastoring? Are you pleased with the way that I'm preaching? Are you pleased with the way that I'm leading your people? And so I got to the place where I quit. You know, I had to get delivered from that. And there are still days where it creeps up on me. 
But I will tell you that I, I, I can now speak freely because really I'm not concerned. I'm not standing before you on Judgment Day. I'll stand before Him. And when I stand before Him, all that's going to matter is what did I do according to His Word. And you can say, well, I think you're crazy. I think you've lost your mind. I, you know what? If you keep preaching like that, I'm going to find another church to go to. And I will tell you the God's honest truth. I don't care. Anymore, I don't care. If you don't want to hear the Word, if you don't want to follow God's Word, I can't do anything about that. If you choose to say you've lost your mind and you just, you're just you crazy, uh, then, then, you know, if I'm, if I'm preaching my stories and I'm just telling you what makes you feel good or what, what you want to hear, then yeah, by all means you need to find another church. But if I'm preaching according to this Word and what I'm preaching is in this book, I'm telling you right now, you better make some resolutions to get things right in your life. You can excuse it all the way if you want, but the truth comes down to it. You care, you care more about what people think than what God thinks. You've got to care about what God thinks. You've got to be concerned with God's approval on your life. Ask yourself that question. I'm I'm not not going to be long, but ask yourself that question. God, do you approve of my life? His approval matters more than my approval. His approval matters more than your spouse's approval. His approval matters more than your parents' approval or your children's approval. Some of you, you, you know, you, you, your kids get upset with you and you, you know, your whole world comes crumbling down. Some of you, you have a friend that tells you, oh, you're getting, you're getting wrapped up in that crazy... You know, that's, that's just kind of... That's out there, you know. But if it's in the book, you need to tell them, say, you know what, I'm not wrapped up in a religion, I'm not wrapped up in a church, I'm wrapped up in the book. I know some of you are wondering when I'm going to get right down to it. I'm, I'm already there, but let me go just a little further. Because some of us, we care so much. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be offensive. But there are certain things that the book proclaims that are non-negotiable. I can't change them. You could say, well, I think it's okay if I'm baptized in Kool-Aid. And I think whenever I'm baptized, you should be able to call the name of Kobe Bryant over me. It's all the same thing. I mean, I'm still, I'm going in the water, I'm getting wet. It's still water. I know it's Kool-Aid, but it is water. There's water in it. It's okay. And Kobe Bryant's a good name, so I can just call that name over me whenever I'm baptized. It's not what the Word says. That's not Bible. The Bible doesn't say get baptized in Kool-Aid in the name of Kobe Bryant. It says you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That means whenever I get into the water, amen, and I go into the water and I am fully submerged in the water, I am buried. The Scripture says put basically like Jesus was put into the ground. I am put in the water, completely covered in the water. You don't leave you know, a hand sticking out, a leg sticking out. You wouldn't do that if you buried somebody. That's why you go completely under the water in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And every time somebody's baptized in this book, they're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, there are some of those of you that are here today and you say, man, this is the first time I've ever heard that. And some of you, you're here and you're like, I hear that just about every service. 
And if I only cared what you thought, I might be tempted to quit preaching it so much. But I care what He thinks. Because someday I'm going to stand before Him and He's going to say, you know, there's blood on your hands because there were several weeks you didn't preach about this. You didn't talk about this. Why didn't you tell people how they could have eternal life? Why didn't you share with people how their life could be so much better? Why didn't you give them eternal perspective when you preached? So, excuse me, if you, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just go over it one more time. The Scripture says we've got to repent of our sins. That means we must turn from our sins. Not just say, God, I'm sorry, but we actually turn from our sins. That means, guess what? I care, God, what you think about my life. If I don't care, I don't repent. If I care more about what people think, I won't repent. I won't make things right. But if I care what God thinks about my life, then there's something that comes over me. And I realize, man, I have done something that's not pleasing to Him. And I say, God, would You forgive me? God, I don't want to live like that anymore. God, I can't take this anymore. I don't want this sin in my life. And I get to the place where I say, God, I'm turning from that. And I'm turning my life over to You. I want You to have control. And I want Your opinion to matter. I want your approval to matter in my life. And so when I turn from my sins and I repent, amen, I'm giving God the opportunity that He says is, is going to take place in His Word. When I repent, when I confess, He is faithful and just to forgive me. Amen. I want to be forgiven. I want to have new life. I want God's will to be accomplished in me. And I can't accomplish God's will if I've got sin in my life, if I'm willfully living in sin and doing the things I know are not pleasing to Him. But I'll do it if I'm not afraid of Him. I'll do it if I have no fear, no awe, no reverence of God. I'll do my own thing. Because that's what I want to do. And that's what my flesh wants. And so that's what I'll do. I'll do what I want to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. And we get into the place sometimes where we think that what we want, what we hope for, our opinions, you know. Here's the deal. I was talking to my son this week about perception. And I said, son, you got to understand, perception is a tricky thing. I said, I can think one thing, and you can think one thing, and somebody else can think, and then there can actually be truth. And none of our perceptions be right. So, if I misconstrue or my perception is off about something, then I'm in danger of doing some really dumb stuff. And, and this is what I have found. I have found that my feelings will lie to me. My Look, let's just be honest. I'm only 43 this past week. My, your body will lie to you. Your eyes will lie to you. You don't believe that? You just wait. Your eyes will lie to you. My eyes lie to me every day. Just to get it, it's true. I look at the, the computer screen and it looks like it's going like that. I know it's square, but it looks like it's doing that. Why? Because my eyes are lying to me. If you trust your body, you trust your feelings, you trust your emotions, you will be taken advantage of every time. Because that's just your perception. You cannot base your eternity on your perception. 
I'm preaching now. I wish somebody would hear me because I'm preaching now. Look, you cannot just go into, into the next life and say, oh, it's going to be okay because I perceive that that preacher was just a crazy man and I didn't want to follow no crazy guys. So I just, you know, I didn't have to do everything he was saying because he's just crazy and he's loopy and he's out there a little bit. If the book says it, it's true. The Bible says that the Word of God is going to stand forever. So you can make up whatever you want to make up. Any excuses, any lines that you want to have. But you better be more concerned about what God's opinion is. And getting God's approval in your life than you are about me or about anything else or anybody else in this life. Because when it all comes down to it, you're going to stand before Him. You might as well be concerned with what He thinks right now. Amen? This is kind of hard preaching. But this is true. We live our lives bound up, worried about what other people think about us, and we don't give enough thought about what does God think about me. So we've repented of our sins. He's forgiven us if we repent, if we truly turn from that. And then the Scripture says that we need to be baptized. Peter said it. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, for the washing away of those sins. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, and I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to offend. I know there may be some people you don't quite get this yet. But every time they baptize somebody, for the first time, we, we read them all in the book of Acts. And every time they baptized somebody, every time, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one time did they baptize them in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They didn't say in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They didn't say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. They, didn't, they just said in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because when you've said the Lord Jesus Christ, you've talked about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because they're all, amen, encompassed in the name of Jesus Christ. I won't take the time to go through it, but I can show you Scriptures and prove to you that the Father, the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, that's good, Pastor. I, I thank you for sharing that with me. Now, I ask you, are you more concerned with me? With what somebody else thinks about you? Or are you concerned with what God thinks about you? If you're concerned with what God thinks about you, and you see that, and you look at that, and you see that in the Scripture, and you say, hey, this is right here. They're baptized. There's no other way they were baptized. I've, I've found all the places people were baptized. And there's no other way that they were baptized. So why would I want to be baptized any other way? And here's the deal. Then you have to make the decision to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Even if it goes against what other people said was okay. Even if it, even if it makes some of the people in your family a little bit upset. Maybe it might offend one of your friends or your relationships because they say, I don't know that it takes all that. It's not that big of a deal. You better do what the Bible says. Amen. And the Scripture promises that when you are uh, repenting of your sins and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, that He will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He will give you 
His Spirit living on the inside of you. Now here's what's awesome about the Holy Ghost. Not only do you receive power, not only do you have peace that passes all understanding, not only yeah, when you go through things and you, you don't know what to do, you'll still be able to sleep at night. I, I, I'm not talking about just that, but the most one of the most awesome things about having the Holy Ghost is knowing... Yes. What God wants from you. Yes. Knowing God's will for your life. Being able to uh, ascertain in every situation, God, what would you have me do? And then God yes. speaks. Yes. You say, well, He speaks oddly sometimes, not always for me. I mean, sometimes it's just an impression. Yes. And if I start doing something, I know, oh, that's not right. <laughs> nope, got to back away from that. Why? Because that's not going to get God's approval. I feel like He's not happy with that. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. The Scripture says that the Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. It's our teacher. It's our comforter. It helps us to know what's right and what's wrong. It helps us to know what to get into and what to stay away from. But we'll never listen if we're still more concerned with other people. Not too long ago, I was in a situation, and I can't tell you exactly the situation and name names because we are alive. And uh, there will be some people probably that will watch this. And I don't want to give away anything. But we were in a situation, and some of you that were with me, you know it was very intense. And I was in a pressure cooker. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a pressure cooker. I was in a spot where I could really ruin some things if I uh, wasn't careful and tactful about how I preached or how I communicated something. And it was very, very intense. And when I, I tell you that it felt like we were uh, you know, a, a, just a, a group of, of soldiers that were ready to crash the beach uh, right before the service. I'm telling you, that's how intense it was. But we felt like we were battling something in the Spirit and I knew I had to uh, listen to what God had said. I knew what God had given me to say and it was it was pretty straightforward and I felt like whenever I said that some things were going to break loose and some people were going to be set free but I had to be very careful about how I said it because I didn't want to offend everybody at the same time because it wasn't just about me. It was about a, a group. It was about some things that were going on and, and, and I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to make a mess of things. That's probably the best way to put it. And so, I I was praying and my prayer was, God, guide me. Let me say the right things, but let me say what you have put on my heart to say. Amen. And I will tell you the long story short, uh, there have been many, many changes since that moment. There have been things that have broken loose and even in that service, things broke loose and then even afterwards, things have broken loose and God is moving. God is doing amazing things. And I will just tell you, you can never be so worried about what other people think that you are not obedient to what God speaks to you to do or who God tells you to be because you may be worried about other people's opinions but those people can't save you. They can't deliver you. They can't heal you. They're not taking you to the next life. You've got to be more concerned with what God thinks about your life. As I close and you stand, I would just challenge you today. There are so many ways that the devil will try to wear you down. But sometimes, let's just be real, we give the devil a whole lot of credit. And sometimes it's not even the devil. Sometimes it's just this flesh. This old flesh. Sometimes, I don't even know if the devil's even tempting. I think it's just my flesh that's just ignorant. 
I'm just going to be honest. You know, because sometimes it, it, it's not even really super sinful, spiritual temptations. Sometimes it's just the thought that goes through my mind of, well, what will people think? <laughs> what do people think if you preach that? What will people think if you say that? This morning we had our service in Radcliffe and it was it was considerably drier than it normally is. It was it was kind of it was kind of quiet. Pretty much the whole service. And at the end of the service, me being the little radical pastor that I am, I got up and I said, you know what? There's a funk up in here today. Some things were just Something was off. I talked about our response and I talked about our agreement. And, and then I, I said, before I mess everything up and run everybody off, I probably better sit down. So I sat down. Later, I, I was telling my wife, I said, you know what, I probably, I probably shouldn't have been so negative. And, you know, I, I don't mean to, you know, those people are the ones that are there. They're the ones that were really... Uh, they had tried, they did, so they, at least they made it there today. You know, I probably should have taken it easy. And she said, no, I thought it was fine. And I said, you know, here's the deal. I don't ever want people to think it's okay for us to have dead church. I don't want people to think that that's the norm. So at the risk of offending, <laughs> at the risk of running everyone off, Dead church is not the norm. Lack of response and keeping my mouth closed for an entire service, that's not okay. Why? Because this is a Pentecostal church. We're an apostolic church. We believe what this book says. And there's got to be some response to what I'm hearing. There's got to be some response to what I'm feeling. And if I don't respond, then I, I, I run the risk Stay with me. Of being a little too concerned with you. And not enough concerned with Him. So as a pastor, as I close this today, as a pastor, let me just, let me just encourage you. When you come to church, it's really not about me. It's not about you. It's not about others. It's about Him. And if you're more concerned with what everybody else thinks, you're going to turn into what all these other dead and dying churches are turning into. A little folding of the hands, a little nodding of the head, ready to go. Let's go beat the other church to the luncheon. I'm just saying. But that's not pleasing to God. What does He want from me? He wants me to respond. He wants me to respond. He wants me to engage with Him and to have an experience with Him that's, that's, that's out of this world, literally out of this world. But if I'm too concerned with what you think about me and what others may say and what kind of reputation I might get for hanging out with the holy rollers, then I'll probably just kind of take it easy and chill out not say what needs to be said not respond when I need to respond but I feel like there's somebody in this house today that says you know what I'm tired of caring so much what everybody else thinks I'm, I'm tired of you know letting their opinions be God in my life 
And I want to put God on the throne. I'm going to fear God and not man. This altar's open. I would challenge you just to respond to what you've heard today and let God be God in your life. Let His opinion matter more than anything else in this life.